When it comes to maximizing time in the uplands, without fail, Onyx Hunt is my most valuable tool. From planning my next hunt through a new bird cover to navigating in the field, Onyx Hunt is truly with me wherever I go. With detailed mapping and satellite imagery, along with a multitude of map layers from land access to forestry and habitat information and easy-to-use tools to mark, measure, and catalog important information, Onyx Hunt seamlessly integrates digital scouting with boots-on-the-ground time in the field. With offline mapping and Apple CarPlay integration, you are free to explore the wild landscapes our beloved upland birds inhabit. Planning your next move in the uplands begins with knowing where you stand, and for me, that starts and stops with Onyx Hunt. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. Welcome to the Project Upland Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting. We plan to take you into some of our favorite bird covers as we talk to the people that hunt them and the organizations that support them. We'll also break down the dogs, guns, and gear used to pursue them, and of course, we'll share the stories that celebrate this American tradition. It's one of those things that you do that, that feels timeless. My dad brought home our first Brittany when I was about 10 years old. The Red Gods are calling, and I must go. These are your stories. This is the Project Dublin Podcast presented by Onyx Hunt. On this episode of the show, we're talking wing shooting with our friend and instructor, Keith Coyle. Welcome back to the show for episode number 106. Project Upland Podcast is presented by Onyx Hunt, creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters. Use the promo code PUP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription today. Start scouting for the fall season right now. And by Yukonuba Sporting Dog, 
makers of premium performance dog food that is scientifically formulated for peak nutritional performance for our canine athletes. Whether they are hunting, training in the off-season, or competing hard, Yukonuba gives them the nutrition they need to maintain that peak level of performance year-round. Strong, focused, ready for anything, that is a Yukonuba dog. And by CZ USA Shotguns, shotguns designed with the Upland Hunter in mind, there is still time to complete your ideal bird gun survey from CZ USA. Help us design the next upland hunting shotgun that CZ makes. There are thousands of submissions so far. There's still time to make your voice heard. Head over to projectupland.com and look for the CZ USA shotgun design survey. And finally by Dakota 283 Kennels. Kennels built to last a lifetime. One piece, rotomold design, frame steel door, everything you and your dog need in a kennel for a safe and successful hunting trip head over to dakota283.com and use the promo code pu20 to save 20 percent from dakota 283 all right this week's winner of the podcast giveaway is brett b brett alerted me to an error in last week's episode publishing and i consider that a meaningful contribution to the show thank you brett public grouse t-shirt headed brett's direction very soon anybody listening could be next week's winner of the podcast giveaway all you have to do is make a meaningful contribution to the show you could leave us a rating you could leave us a review in your podcast app subscribe to the podcast share the podcast send us some feedback or guest suggestion or just flat out tell me that the episode i published is not working thanks again brett you can email me at nick.larson at northwoodscollective.com All right, don't forget, if you need some coffee, check out Gun Dog Grind. I've been drinking their coffee for the past couple weeks. It's tasty stuff, and there's an English setter on the bag. I don't want more you could ask for. Check it out, Gun Dog Grind on Facebook. All right, that's it for announcements. We're jumping into today's interview. Today, we welcome back to the Project Upland podcast one of our great former guests on the show, wing shooting instructor Keith Coyle. He's back to talk about his brand new digital online course via the Teachable platform. His course is available today and it is available to Project Upland followers at a 10% discount. You can use the promo code PU10 when checking out Keith's course on teachable.com. All of the pertinent links will be included in the show notes along with that promo code Keith put a lot of work into this course along with his producer, Scott. I had a chance to go through it myself. I very much enjoyed it. Keith and I talk a lot about it today, give you an idea of what is included in that course so you can determine whether or not it is something you want to check out. As always, had a great conversation, both enjoyable and informative with our friend Keith Coyle. So with that said, let's welcome onto the show and into the conversation, wing shooting instructor, Keith Coyle. All right, Mr. Keith Coyle, welcome back to the Project Upland podcast. How are you today, my friend? Very good, thanks, Nick. Sitting here, sort of looking out the window of a very sunny, sunny lakeside view, and um, I'm delighted to be back on board. Thanks very much. Before we move on, just want to say what a brilliant job um, you and, and AJ and everybody's doing at Upland Project. I follow, of course, and contribute to the Facebook group. Uh, I like that because that, what, although it's up and project, it, there's so much diverse coming on there from everybody. Yeah. I think of, um, of all the groups, I think it actually has to be what I would call 
the more open-minded. Um, there's everybody contributing from dogs, mean. It's very good. So great, well done, you chaps. And of course, the magazine, the online magazine, is just you know it goes from strength to strength. So I'm very, very pleased to have been part of it. I hope I'm going to be a little bit more part of it. I have to apologise. I haven't been able to perhaps contribute as many articles as we had planned. But of course, as you know, it's uh, not me not wanting to. Just just a matter of time. There's been so much else going on. Uh, but I do promise everybody that. There will be some articles to come, and a little quick preview. What the next article will be is leading on from the instinctive shooting, shooting method, but how that really is perfect for upland shooting, how it really, that's what it was designed for and based around. And we'll look at how you're going to incorporate that within the, the hunt. One of the things that, that we will look at, and I won't go too much into it now, but one of the subjects that we'll look at in that article that's going to come up is the actual carry. It's the way we carry the gun whilst we're out in the field. Um, and obviously, people say, well, what's, what's the difference? Most, not the majority of everybody, 99.5%, always want to walk with a gun carried at full times. Yeah. Well, if not, it's not the most efficient way. But, hey, that's going to be the... The subject in the next article. So uh, hopefully I've now got everybody hanging on waiting for that one. Yeah, that was a perfect tease, Keith. You're a pro. <laughs> well, we, we definitely we thank you for, for the kind words and, of course, thank you for your contributions to the Project Upland community. As you say, it's definitely a, it's a team effort and, you know, whether you're actually writing articles or doing stuff for Project Upland or you're just contributing and spending time in that Project Upland community Facebook group, I mean, we kind of see it as a as one big whole, and uh, that's something we're, that we're all excited about. It so thank you for contributing. Now you mentioned a sunny lakeside view. What just what kind of job do you have, Keith? <laughs> well, at the <laughs> moment, I'm, I'm I'm in my office in the gun room. And ah, it's great, in, I'm, in the I'm, gun room as well. I like it. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's, all I can say is it's a tough job, but somebody has to do it, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> and having said that, for all of us that work in the outdoors, we all know that um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great environment. It's a great job to be in. But it's not always the easiest one. Um, I, think, I think, you know, it's quite natural. You get people that come along and they see it and they say, oh, you've got a great job. And yes, we have. But it's, it's not always an easy one. And sometimes you really don't want to work out what the hourly rate was that you eventually get. <laughs> I think I think it'd scare a lot of people off. Yeah. Um, but now I'm very lucky. I've, I've got the gun room here that we know, and we've got this lovely lake, which literally is just right in front of me. And that looks out. I'm watching the, I'm watching Dan and his team train the dogs, which is brilliant. You know, they're they're obviously doing a lot of water work. They're getting ready for hunt tests and things. But for me, as I say, it uh, I, I'll be getting out of my chair once I finish chat to you. We have to go and start setting up for our, our down day on Saturday. Uh, we have to shift, um, we have to upload some tracks onto our mobile units and get everything ready just to, to make sure it's all in place for Saturday. So, uh, yeah, to, uh, I, I make the most of sitting in my chair some days. That's good to know. Remind everybody just where you are in, in the club that you're at, Keith, where people can find you and where you do your wing shooting lessons. Okay, we are in a small town called Roberts, Illinois. It's the Green Acres Sportsman's Club. Brilliant place. It's been, it was originally here in 1973. That's when it really kicked off. We're about an 
just about 90 minutes south on the Interstate 57 from south from Chicago. Uh, for those that know the area, we're about 40 minutes north of the uh, main town Champaign. Um, for the Midwest, it's a good location. We're not far, far from, uh, as I say, Chicago, the Indy border. Um, we've got Bloomington, Champaign, and we've got good roads into it. But we are really a nice enclave. We, we've got about 1,200 to 1,500 acres at the moment, which the club encompasses. We have, obviously, we, we've got our, our concealed towers. We've got three now, which we use for the British-driven shoots and also our American Continental. We've got this super duck flyway, which, again, for me, it, it's, it, I, that's really where I can do British-driven. Because what we, we, when we do the duck day, we literally flush the whole the whole flock of ducks over the guns. So it really is like a, a proper drive from a UK shoot, as you know, when you get the birds filling the sky. Um, so very lucky. And uh, so I run the school here. We've got great facilities for the shooting school. And we are pretty much, I think, one of the, the, the very few number of clubs that I would say has every piece of their sporting capes. We've got Gundog Success under Dan, tremendously successful. We've got the Ducks, we've got Upland, uh, I of course now run and I oversee our Sporting Clays course which we've expanded and is still developing. Uh, the Shooting School, we've got the British Driven. So uh, yeah, perhaps, perhaps one of the few that you could we literally do every slice of what the uh, hunting and shooting enthusiast would uh, would have a go at. Excellent. Well, I don't know about you, Keith, but I still regularly hear from folks that listen to the first time you were on the Project Up and podcast, and they we've always had great feedback on that episode. In fact, I was interviewing somebody last week for a for an upcoming episode of the podcast and they talked about i think it was while we were while we were recording actually they talked about how how much they loved that episode and how just how great of a conversation was Uh, i went back and looked today that was that was episode number 28 it was late may 2018 so nearly two years ago when we when we put out that first one pretty crazy but i know we still get good feedback on it and i would encourage all the listeners to Go back and check that out if you missed it. We're going to we're going to talk a little bit about Keith's teachings today and something new that he has available at this time. We're going to dive deep into that. And so, if people are looking for a little bit more of a precursor or an intro, they can go back and check out episode number twenty-eight. That was two years ago. You believe it, Keith? Time has just gone so quick. I, I <laughs> must admit, I'm, I'm chopped up. But you just said it, and I thought, "Crikey, you can't be that long." It really <laughs> only seems. Two months ago, yeah, um, and, and I think, as I say, that uh, I can't believe it's gone so quick. But I'm, I'm delighted that people are, uh, are listening to it still and find it interesting. Ultimately, of course, it, it's about it's it's the foundations of all good shooting, yep. shotgun shooting, um, and that's what it covers. Whether you're a as we said, whether you're a nutland shooter, whether you're a, a trap shooter, whatever it is, ultimately the the, the true basic skills of of shooting a shotgun don't change. They haven't changed. Um, people are, people adopt them and people, and they've got adapted in certain ways. Uh, sometimes maybe not the best of ways, but um, at the end of the day, if you, you it's like any game, it's like golf. If, if you've got good basic skills, you're, you're going to be able to play the game no matter what course you're on. So I'm delighted anyway. Yeah, so speaking of 
wing shooting foundation and skills. That is absolutely one of the key reasons we have you on today, Keith, because call it timing or call it whatever you want, you know, in a time in this world when people are doing a lot of things digitally and virtually, you are uh, you you launched a virtual course, virtual wing shooting course this summer. And I know that you guys were working on this well I, I believe well well before anything happened with COVID nineteen, so the timing is kind of coincidence. But nonetheless, it is a great thing to have out at this time. Tell us a little bit about this course, Keith, and then we'll kind of we'll dive into my experience going through it. Okay. Well, as you know, uh, and I again go back to uh, yourself, no Jaguar. People were always on to me about when you're going to do the book. When you're going to do the book. One day we will, and of course we still plan it, but. These days, as you said, it's becoming a, a, a visual digital age. And a good friend, or who became a good friend, uh, Scott Sarver, he's the director. He was the man that prompted me to do this, Scott. Um, and he said, well, have you ever thought about doing this as a, uh, a, a, like a, a visual school? Um, and I said, well, not, no, because my only concept, like all of us, would have been DVDs or, or you know, videos. Um, and as you know, I did those with, the first ones I ever did were with Roger Silcox back in the 90s when we were in Moses Wood in England. And I said to Scott, well, look, in my opinion, really, Roger's videos were the best. And if we did something, we need to expand upon it and be able to get this information, you know, across to people. And, and I want, basically, I wanted to do it in a way where um, I, I didn't want it to come across as me going, oh, look at me, I'm a good shot, you know. I, I, it's not that at all. And I said to Scott, if we could find a way of literally giving a person, a, it's like having a direct lesson with me. That's really what, what I wanted to achieve. I didn't want a video, I didn't want a, you know, people watching it and, and making it all fancy. I just wanted to do a lesson with me. And that purely was how the concept came about. And I have to say... Um, I was a bit reluctant at first, but Scott persevered. He, he, he put certain things, you know, forward, and, <laughs> and eventually I agreed to, to do it. Um, I think we both didn't realise just how much work was going to be involved, and it just went on. Uh, so I, I was like everything, you know, you, you plan these things, but it just expanded. It was, and I, it was just brilliant, and ultimately. Uh, Again, I refer to Scott. What I'm so delighted with is that it, it is having a lesson with me. Um, people have watched it and uh, they said, God, who wrote the script? I said, there is no script. script <laughs> you know, it's like Reggie did when I did the videos. There's no script. Um, of course, what, what I had was I would have a schedule of subjects in which to cover in, in, in sequence. And that's what we did, because obviously uh, Scott used to have to <laughs> he'd give me a quick slap around the ear quite a lot because I'd get involved and I'd go first um, from the main team. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we got it through, and, um, and I'm delighted. It is what we wanted to create, was having a lesson with me. Um, and I'm, I'm using it, and I really hope that's how it comes across. Um, my wife, Brenda, when, when she was doing the reviews with myself and Scott and whatever. And um, occasionally, I'm sure as you know, I'm a, I'm a North London boy originally from, from England. And occasionally, 
she said, you, you dropped into Cockney language. So I hope, I hope that there's stuff that everybody <laughs> can understand. But it, it was just, that, that's how it was. It was just very natural. And she said, you get a bit cheeky sometimes. I said, well, um, I'm old now, so I, I think I can afford to be a bit cheeky as well. But, but it, it's really trying to get it. The, what I want is the information to come across, just like you're standing with me during the lesson. As, as I say, we, we didn't do anything. As, as you've seen in the video, we, we didn't set things up. To, I didn't have, you know, posh guns or whatever types of we, we just did it normally. And I, I'm delighted that that's when it's come across. Um, and of course, there are, at the moment, there are three courses, and, and we put it on the teachable platform. This was a, I didn't realize how, how we were eventually going to set it up. Yeah. Again, like most people, I'm, I'm in, I'm thinking videos, you know. But again, Scott had worked on this and he came back and he showed me this brilliant platform. It's called Teachable. And it, there are lots of, um, he showed me other courses, you know, people learning to play guitars and that sort of thing. And when he showed me how the teachable platform works, I thought, that's brilliant. It's just brilliant. Um, and we've, we've got it on that system now. So in a sense, it's not, if you buy in, I don't want anybody to feel they're buying a video. You know, that you just put, watch it once, put it in the cupboard and forget it. What you do is you enroll in the school and, and you enroll and you become a member for life. No matter what, what episode, what course you buy, or how many of the courses, it doesn't matter. You're going to be in the school for life. You, you get your own uh, code that you put in, and you, you enrol in the school. So, and at some point in time, as the, this grows, um, the idea is that I will go back occasionally. We'll, we'll put new things in, uh, you know, extra snippets when we, we come across it. So if you say by... Um, by the the, uh, the sporting case course, for instance, there will be times when um, I'll add certain things, different things to it, and they will just automatically go on. You don't pay extra for it. It, it will just snip it into the existing course. So, in a sense, it's like... Um, I don't think I can use the word university. I think it's a bit... That, that's a bit too grand, but <laughs> you enrol in school. You, you enrol in the school, and that's really what, what was so brilliant about this whole thing and for me was the fact that um it's it's not a video you don't buy this say watch it once and chuck it in the cupboard this you this is your you're in you're part of the school you can go back to this that we've we've done it hopefully as, as you've gone through it um in sections so that if you are out shooting or something happens and you want to go back and you can just select that section again you can go into it um and as, as i say we're on so pleased with the way it's come out and the way we've, we've got it to come across. And I'd like to think, hopefully, that it is very natural. Um, I'm, a, I'm talking things. I, I make a couple of mistakes in there. I think uh, we had to add a footnote because at one point in the introduction, um, I refer, of course, to the great um, uh, Robert Churchill as, as, as the son of Edward, but he's not. He was the nephew. I, I do put it right. But there are little snippets in there where because it's just natural. It's, it's, I was doing it as, as just as a lesson. So very pleased. And if, if you've managed to go through the, the whole bit, I, I just hope that your ears weren't bleeding by the end of it because it's a lot <laughs> of info to take in you know, as you go through. 
No, not at all, Keith. It it definitely does. It has a natural feel, and you know, I've I've had the chance to speak with you, and obviously, I've I've met you down at Pheasant Fest a couple of years ago, and it really did feel like we were kind of basically standing in the same room, and I was going through a lesson with you, and that's one of the really cool things about technology and the ability to capture something like this where not everybody's going to be able to come to Illinois and get a private wing shooting lesson with you Keith but for in this kind of format and and really wing shooting is one of those things where yes I I love books I love to read and I love to I've read books about wing shooting but they really really you need you need some visual cues to go along with a lot of the descriptions especially if you're if you're a beginner and you just don't have the visual pictures or of these concepts and you don't have a real good foundation, you really need to see some of this stuff in action. And that's what this obviously format lends itself to very well. And I've, I've actually become a pretty big fan of these digital courses. I mean, really all aspects of my life, anything you want to learn, you can go out and find a course on it typically. And most people are familiar with YouTube, which I use that a lot as well, kind of for more one-off things. But a lot of times with YouTube, it's it can be hard to stay focused and it can be hard to really keep your mind in the same place because you, you get lost on there pretty quick. So for something like this, to have all the wing shooting stuff in one place, you can go in there, there's an outline, the way that it's structured, the way that it's formatted, you can find exactly what, you're ne- what you need if, let's say, you're trying to go back and reference something. Yeah, it sets up very well. It does feel natural, and I, I certainly enjoyed going through the wing shooting course and watching, listening to you describe these different various concepts. It was it was cool. I, I've got a bunch of notes here that we'll, we'll jump into a little bit, and I'll try to ask some of the questions that came up for me while I was doing it. But how's the response been so far, Keith? Uh, very encouraging, very pleasing. Good. We haven't – what we wanted to do, we wanted, like most things, to, to generally just soft market at the beginning. We've just used social media, basically, Facebook and our own Facebook pages and so on, because we wanted to get the feedback. We, we sent out uh, quite a number, of, quite a lot of reviews to people, um, like yourself. We, we wanted people to review it, and we wanted genuine, honest feedback. If there was something really major that, that was a consistent uh, comment that needed work on it, we would have immediately gone back, reshot it, and so on. But at the moment, I'm again very pleased to say that the generalisation, we've, we've had no comments that are, are forcing us to look at doing anything else. We seem to have got the sequence right. So at the moment, what we're doing is we're, we're just we're just coming to that end of the review phase. And I think now, uh, the next month, particularly now we are moving back towards people getting outside into the season. Um, we will start to market it a little bit more. Um, again, what we use is a certain number of outlets because it, it's not a third party can't can't buy this from us. But what we are doing is uh, arranging certain possible outlets that where they will um, promote it, and then of course they will just take a a small commission percentage on on each sound as it goes through. Sure. So we are looking hopefully to, to get it with. Um, uh, a, a bigger, more accessible audience within the shooting market, and uh, as I say again, hopefully, um, we'll we'll that will be down the Scotch genius. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will be. I leave the genius technical side to say to Scott. He, he, he's gonna he's gonna arrange that. But that's what we're doing. So 
Good deal. Keep, keep an eye out for new stuff to come. Well, I had enough time to get through the introduction to instinctive wing shooting and the introduction to the sporting clays course. And I jotted a bunch of stuff down. We're going to, we'll go through some of this stuff and we'll address some of the questions that I had and some of the notes that I took down. And hopefully that will kind of give people a look at what type of stuff is in this course and hopefully pique their interest if it's, if it is something that they're thinking about. So starting with the introduction to instinctive wing shooting, Let's go right off the top. I my first note here is who is Roger Silcox? Roger was my mentor. He was my coaching mentor. He was the man who taught me to teach. Now Roger, he ran the Roses Week Shooting School, which was uh, in Somerset in England, and he ran that from 1980 through to 1998 when when he actually retired and he sold the the, the, the ground. But Roger was. He was the senior coaching, if you like, um, instructor for the Clay Pigeon Shooting Association of the UK. Now, what he did is he actually set up the coaching structure, the actual coaching course, say coaching course structure, the whole thing. And I do believe that that's what the NSCA used the basis for their course. Roger came over. But Roger was also, his mentor was Christopher Craddock. Now, Chris, he was one of the very first directors of the CPSA. And Chris, I believe, was the man that was invited over by the fledgling NSCA in 1982 to set up the first sporting clays. And he was very involved in that. Now, Chris was, he was also a very famous instructor. He owned his own gun shop in the city of Bath in Somerset. He, in actual fact, was, again, the last, if you like, um, protege or the last student of Robert Churchill. Um, very quickly that came about. Um, Robert was running EJ Churchill uh, from London in, in the Allen office in Leicester Square in the gun room. And because Chris had been working at this gun shop for many years, of course in those days still guns were commissioned. So people going to the gun shopping bar, they would, you know, get a gun commissioned or and Chris would be involved he then would, would go to see Robert Churchill. They would buy get Churchill guns, make them, and that's how that relationship came up. So, but Roger, he was uh, Chris's, if you like, protege. He established the Roseswood Shooting School, which is very famous. But the most important thing was he was the senior uh, instructor for the CPSA, and so he designed and set up all the coaching courses. And of course, he was my mentor. Um, very quickly. I met Roger in 1991 when I went on my first CPSA instructor's course. And for whatever reason, at the end of that that week, um, in the car park before we left, he came up to me and asked if I'd like to go and work for him and be his protege. Um, And it took me all of, I can't remember how many hundreds of a second it took me to say yes. And that was it. So, yeah, and, and that's how the whole thing started. So he... He is the man, in a sense, that changed my life. I was, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm, if it, if it was Roger, uh, in a sense, if it was Roger that's got me sitting here talking to you now about this course. Uh, there you go. That's that's Roger. <laughs> yeah, and folks can gather. There's you know there's a little bit of history, and I've always appreciated that about 
you, Keith, and I, I just have a have an interest in that myself, but how this information came to be and how it's been passed down and the connections there. And I, I found that a lot of the things that I wrote down were there are other clever sayings that you came up with or that you recalled from other people. And one of them is a person you mentioned that I wrote down this quote, a shotgun is a clever idea by a simple man. And that was, you attributed that to Chris Craddock. Yeah. Um, and that was the first question Chris ever asked me. Um, I've been working at Rosie's Ruby Roger for about three months. And then I remember, uh, it was on the Thursday, I clearly remember, Thursday afternoon, he came down and he said, Oh, please. He said, um, I'm taking Noreen, his wife, we're going to go in to like Walmart and I'm going to take you and introduce you to a friend and you're, I'm going to leave you with my friend this evening. He's going to have a chat with you. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, fine. So anyway, about six o'clock, you know, we drive towards Bath. We go into the lovely suburb. We put up with some beautiful, you know, Edwardian house. And we go up, and Roger's in front of me. It's a little recess sort of uh, lobby to the door. So I can't really see too much. And he knocks on the door, door opens, and I hear this voice, oh, hello, Roger. And uh, he says, oh, hello. He says, um, and of course, I'm following in. So, I, you know, if you can imagine, you walk into the hallway, and... Obviously, my, the door is on my left, and the chap who's opened the door is sort of half hidden. And as I walk in, all of a sudden, Roger turns and he, he says, Oh, he says, uh, Chris, he said, This is the young man I want to <laughs> introduce you to. And as I turn, that's Chris Craddock. Oh, blimey, you know, this is the closest I'm going to get to meeting God without dying. <laughs> and it was Chris. Um, anyway, long story short, of course, you know, I then, every Thursday, I went to Chris for. Every Thursday night for, for me for four hours and was taught my gun fitting skills and all the rest of it. But the first question he asked me, he sat me down, Roger had gone, and he said, well, Keith, I'm pleased to meet you. We had a, a bit of a shared um, background in the sense of geography. He'd been a, in his young days, he'd been a, a gamekeeper in an area where, where I knew where I originally lived. Anyway, he said to me, he said, um, he looked to me and he says, well, Keith, the first thing I was going to ask you, because uh, he's Somerset, so I have to say it as I hear his voice. He said, and he said, um, you tell me. He says, well, 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 what's the shotgun? And I, and of course, I'm, you know, like the rabbit in the headlights sort of thing, because you know, I'm thinking, God, he's going to expect me to come up with some genius answer and that. And I'm sort of finding for a bit of time, and he could see the wheels going around. He says, no, no, boy, he says, you worry. He said, I, I'm looking for no fancy answer. He says, he said, I tell you what a shotgun is. And I, I said, all right, go on, you, Chris. He said, well, I tell you what. He says, a shotgun is a clever idea by a simple man. Was it? He said, yeah. And of course, he said, because one day, he said, there was this simple man who was walking through his field, and a lovely, lovely, lovely rabbit runs out in front of him. He said, he just points at that rabbit. He says, caught that rabbit. And he walked along a bit further, and he walked by the wood, and out the wood comes a lovely big fat English wood pigeon, you know, good food to eat. And he goes, oh, look at that pigeon. He points his finger at the pigeon. And of course, he said, but he goes along about four or five steps, and then he stops. This, this, this magic moment, the epiphany comes. And, and of course, this simple man realised if he had a gun, what he said he could do, he could feed his family. <laughs> um, and that's it. It's the concept of a shotgun. I always remember, and Christy said, the worst thing they ever did was call it a gun. He said, because the moment he calls it a gun, us men thinks we can shoot it. He said, and then, of course, we tries to shoot it like a rifle, which has got nothing to do with it. And it was right. Because ultimately, all the shotgun is is an extension of your pointing finger. And he said, he said, obviously, people said, call it a gun. So they should have called it a pointy bangy stick. <laughs> you know, because it, it, it is this concept. The moment you say the word gun, 
Yeah. You know, and particularly the main, or I remember us knowing that shooting Lego, they beat the shoot. And of course it changes everything because ultimately, you know, you, you there is this big difference. All the shotgun is is an extension of your finger. It was this, and it is designed to be like your finger. You you all you have to do is to point it at the object at which you want to shoot or make contact with. And then the critical factor is to line that extended finger up with your eye consistently and, of course, the object of which you're going to point or shape. It's that simple. It's no more, no more technical than that. So, yeah, that, there you go. Simple idea by a clever man. Yeah. Or, or a clever idea by a simple man. Yeah. I still remember the first time that I shot a shotgun and the way that it was described to me how to basically was instructed to kind of aim it they they told me to you know level the rib and float the bead right on top of the right on top of the barrel and and then cover the target that i was shooting at with the bead so in a sense kind of aiming it rather than just making sure i was holding the gun right and then telling me to look at the target and shoot the target you know so that kind of just lends itself to sort of that ideology where you almost like we almost are taught to or we could be taught to aim these shotguns when ultimately it's, you know, we're really just pointing them at what we're looking at. We're going, and, and it is this sort of, the thing is, as men, I mean, I was the same. I mean, very quickly, we won't go into too much, but as you know, American men have a greater association with the long arm, the rifle, than European men, certainly Englishmen or British, because we've never been able to shoot, you know, um, and we don't hunt. Let's just very quickly get down. I'll remind people again. The British don't hunt. Not in the concept of what you do here. Yeah. And people say, well, hmm. it's because there's no free land. There's never been any free land. So you have to remember that the land is always owned by the king or his mates, you know, the dukes and everybody. And, of course, if you were on that land, what was ever there was his. So if you were actually, if you were hunting, you technically were punching and you didn't want to get caught. Then, of course, that, that remained. I mean, we get into the 19th century and driven shooting becomes really popular, but it is only the aristocrats and the rich, if you like, the aristocratic wealthy, uh, as well as the dukes and the noblemen, that have the states that they can shoot these birds on. So, so we, we've, and the only time a, an Englishman or a Brit has really ever carried a long arm is when he went to war. So here, because there is this very great, you know, uh, inherent rifle shooting, right from the days, you know, when the building fathers landed, you had to carry a long arm to survive and to feed your family. So American men particularly always, always have this concept of shooting everything and aiming it like a rifle. And I think, to be honest, that's why the... the the, the skill, the biggest play shooting discipline or the most popular one has always been was trap. Because let's face it, it's the closest play target discipline you can get to where you can shoot your shotgun like a rifle. Mm-hmm. So, so there is still this very... It, and, it's, and that's what I do a lot of the time when people come for a lesson. The first thing we start on, just generally chatting to them, getting some information, but I'm introducing the fact of, of, of changing the computer program. You know, you, you've got to, you've got to have two programs now. One is point, one is aim. If you're a rifleman or a bow shooter, you use the aim program. The moment you pick up a shotgun, change programs. It's just a pointy job. Yep, exactly. So I've 
I've paid attention to to folks like you long enough, Keith, now where I understand that we don't aim a shotgun. Tell me about kinesthetic movements. Well, kinesthetic movement is to be able to do, uh, create a movement without conscious thought. Um, for instance, the, 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 the kinesthetic movement that we all use is our ability to walk and walk up the stairs. You walk up the stairs and you don't think about it. You know, that you, you lift one leg, put it down, lift the other leg, put it down, and so on. So when we're babies, we have to learn this. You, 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 you walk up and, you know, you start walking under. And that then becomes a kinesthetic movement. It's a movement that, as, as you've done so much that you can do it without having to think about it, conscious, without conscious thought. And that's what, like, we talk about a gun now. Now, um, this number of, of, of if you like, a, a, you need to do whatever movement you're going to do. So if you're a golfer, to, to really get your golf swing absolutely perfect every time, you've got to do that 2,500 times before you can do it without conscious thought. And that's the same with the gun round. You know, you have to, to do that gun round correctly 2,500 times before you can really actually do it without thinking. So that then when we're out in the field, you see the bird, and you and all of a sudden the gun is just your finger and you just lift that gun and it lines up with your eye without, you don't even think about it. It's in, without any thought, it's kinesthetic movement. And so it's, but it's just like when we're kids, we have to learn it. Um, we have to we have to do it. You have to practice it. So yeah, kinesthetic movement without conscious thought. And so that is definitely one of the things that I have worked on a lot. Really, in the past two years since you and I first spoke, Keith is practicing my gun mount. That's something that you can do in your basement, and it's one of the few things that you could kind of pick up and do at any time. And that's really good to do that. You know, it's you're not necessarily you don't want to sit down and do 2,500 reps all at one time, but if you can, if you can mix it in and, and do frequent, frequent iterations of this practice, that's kind of ideal. And that's something you talk about in the course. And we've talked about mounting the gun and bringing the gun to our eye, not, not our shoulder on, on our previous episode. And that's, that is all stuff that is visualized in the course. And so I kind of want to leave that there, but I would like you to talk, to tell people, your practice routine that you recommend, something that we could give listeners right now, what they could do. What are the specifics? What's the structure to practicing your gun mount? We need to do, obviously, <clears throat> get yourself in, in front of that mirror. Um, and then you just basically, you, you, you need to stand correctly. If you're a, remember for shotgun shooting very quickly, you, you really need to have what I call square, square front shoulders. Um, if you're a rifleman or you're a bowman, you want to tend to stand side on, and that's with your front shoulder. If you're right-handed, it's your left shoulder. Promote, you know, you're, you're leaning, you're promoting forward, and you're tending to shoot the gun across your body, and that isn't the right way to do it. So what you want to do is just get in front of the mirror. Um, if you're a right-handed shooter, you really want your front foot, the left foot, um, at 12 o'clock facing forward, your right toe, Angle that round. That needs to be at two o'clock, not any more round to the right. Um, just get in front of the mirror, get that nice relaxed position, shoulders square, um, and you start with the gun parallel to the floor. Let, let the toe of the stock just literally rest in front of your hip bone. And then just bring the gun up to your eye using both arms in a parallel fashion and in unison. The, the one thing you, you've got to try and override, which all of us would do at the beginning, is the focus on the shoulder, and you tend to want to 
pivot the gun and you, you, you pivot the gun on your, your front hand, use it like a fulcrum, and then you, your back hand lifts the gun, puts it in the shoulder, and you eventually drop the head, which is the wrong thing to do. You want to really get the gun so that the, you, when you, you use your arms like a reversing piston, if that makes sense, you know, like the old train girl. Now, push, what you do is you focus hard on your eye in the mirror. So if you're right-handed, focus hard on your right eye. If you're left-handed, obviously, just do it the other way around. Your right foot should be forward. But then you push the gun, you extend it out, keep it flat. Um, and you have to feel like you're overextending the push away. Whatever you, if, if you don't push it away far enough, you'll start to lift it as opposed to rotate and bring it back up to your eye. And as you lift it again, you give the backhand a chance to cut in, it will pivot and the gun will go in the shoulder and you won't get it right, you'll drop your head. So you, you push the gun as far away as you can, you lift the gun up and so it's parallel with your, your cheekbone and you bring it back and, and it comes back under your cheekbone and then that, that butt plate will lock into your shoulder platform, which if you bring your, el- your back elbow to the parallel, creates the platform for it in which to sit. If, if your backhand elbow, again, if I'm right-handed, it's my, my right elbow, if that doesn't come up to the parallel just under, the platform in which it sits won't be big enough. And what that means, if your elbow is too low, the gun will be unstable, it will, and then, actually, the gun will start to pull away from your cheekbone. And, and then you see these people, their elbow goes down, the head starts to roll to the right, and, and so on. And then, of course, that can cause some discomfort with the toe of the stock hitting the, the soft tissue in there. So that's what you want to do is get the gun. And you've got to work at it. You just push your big push away. You've got to overextend the push away. There's also one final thing is when you are looking in the mirror, again, we talk about the angle of the gun. If you stand there, the gun with it resting in front of your hip, as a right-hander, you'll see that the barrel will naturally go towards the left. In actual fact, the barrels will end up pointing over your left toe. Okay? And I'll, uh, but what, so what you need to do, before you start the mount, you must physically straighten the gun, which means it pushing the, the, the gun to the right. And if you bring that gun back, it should come back next to your right eye, not bash you in between the eyes. Because, of course, if you don't open the gun to the right or extend that, that movement to the right, the gun won't be straight. Because remember, when we mount the gun, it's a right-handed shot, as you mount the gun, the gun is moving to the left. And the same if you're, you're a left-hander, as you mount it, the gun will move to the right. So when you're doing these exercises, you have to compensate. And even if you're shooting a, a, a straight-out-going bird or a straight-incoming bird, this is very important. You know, if the gun is across your body, you know, you're not coming up straight. So open the gun up, big, big piston movement. And remember, it comes up under your cheekbone, not next to it. Um... I get a lot of chaps and ladies and people who come to me, and they mount the gun, and they're putting it next to their cheekbone, not underneath it. And again, that's what promotes people. They start to roll their head. Regrettably, these days, unfortunately, of course, a lot of people compensate for that because they've now gone and brought guns with adjustable cones. Without going into too much, I've, all they've done is... All, 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 all gun makers have done is make it a tri-gun. And you can now fit a gun to a bad technique, which regrettably I think a lot of people want more than to put the practice in to get it right. Yeah. Um, but that's, some, that's something different. But remember, when you do it, you bring the gun up, 
you big extended, it's like a reversing piston. And you're boosted down the way, both arms here. You've got to keep it flat. Do not let that backhand pivot the gun and push it into the shoulder. And, and the heart, it's really difficult when you start to do it to overcome the desire to put the gun on the shoulder. You have to work on it, push it up, bring it up into your, under your cheekbone, and then that natural, as that piston comes back, it will naturally lock the, the butt plate back into the, into the shoulder pocket which you've created and then by raising that back elbow. So there you go. Once you get it right and you start doing it and then 10, minute, ten minutes in, in front of the mirror, um, I, I say to people, think of it like bench pressing, you know, do them in sets of three. You know, do three mounts, um, you know, make them, and they must be exact. Remember, a gun mount is bringing the gun up and then returning the gun back to that start point in exactly the same way. When you do a gun mount, it, it's, it's, it's all one. It's the gun mount up and it's the return. If you bring the gun up and then you just drop the gun out with your back hand, well, you've just blown it. <laughs> that don't count. Um, you have to lift it up. It's got to be, the, it's, that's the same journey out and it's got to be the same return journey. There's no shortcuts. Um, that's really important. You know, you bring it up and then you reverse the process back to that start point. So you, you bring it up and then you just let it drop out and you, you, you just let the gun drop away and you, you, no, you've just blown it. That's, that, that's not one of the 2,500 yet. You've got to do more. Yeah. So there you go. But set to three, 10 minutes, and that's all you need to do. And, and the most important thing is don't overstress. Because remember, once your arms get tired, so don't go on doing it. Once your arms get tired, you won't do it properly. Yep. That's when you will start not, not to push it away far enough and, and it, it goes out the window a bit. So yeah, there, there you go. Yeah, that's great. And that's, that is one of the things that I have appreciated so much about really my own wing shooting kind of journey and, and practicing. And, you know, most people will have, if you've been shooting a shotgun and you've never had any formal training, like I, I had, or I was a couple of years ago, you, you'll have some way of mounting the gun, but you, you probably never really thought about it very much, which is, that's the goal. But if, if you have never thought about the proper form or at least becoming aware of the way your body moves and the way you mount a gun, you might have to kind of back up and rewind a little bit, which is exactly what I did. And some of the things that I found is like with my own practice is that my, my right elbow, I'm a right-handed shooter. My right elbow definitely was not coming up high enough. And, and the other thing is I had a very strong, right hand you know my back hand and and i I almost wasn't paying attention to my front hand at all it was it was a a strong movement in my back hand now when i pay attention to that when i mount and you know i haven't i haven't quieted my right hand to the point where i'm satisfied with it it's still it still gets in there a little bit and i can feel it right away i know when my right hand comes into play and basically drives that a lot of times i'll even bump my I'll bump my cheek because it's just it's too strong of a movement. Remember the because it's always it's the front hand yep. that is the most force in pointing the gun, and and you're quite right. We I was the same. I mean I you know when I first started, and it is that it's that front hand. And and as I say, and all of us understand, and and it explains the reason why. And, and, and I'll go back to the in in the. In the courses, the very first one is the introduction 
to what it's got instinctive shooting. But actually, the introduction is everything in the gun room that covers the gun mount and everything else. And one of the important things is that if you can, with your front hand, be it left or right, so many people, of course, they, they, they have their pointing finger, but they have it down the, the side of the forearm. Well, it's okay, but it's not really, the, again, the right thing to do. That, that you need to lay the forehand across the palm of your hand with the extended, with that forefinger, so it extends up and underneath the forehand. Because obviously then, first you have a great grip on the gun, and this is very relevant if you're shooting a side-by-side, a particular European side-by-side, that has a relatively slim and uh, tapered forehand. But when you look, if you're going, it's, it, there's information in there that if you get that, that forehand, and if, you, if you're right-handed, obviously, just open, spray your, your, your fingers and your thumb over and lay the forehand directly across the middle of the palm. And it will lay over that second finger, that, you know, that first finger. And that's what they were designed to be. So although you might have your, your hand and your finger up the side of the forehand, because you think that's pointing the gun, well, yeah, it is okay. But one of the disadvantages is the moment that hand, that finger goes up the side, it pushes your left elbow out if you're a right-handed shot. Now, of course, now you've got no... Now that hand, to, to lift that gun, that front hand, now it's struggling. You know, if your elbow is down, it helps you. It, it, it's the, it, you can lift. You can lift much easier. So there are things like that that make a, a, a big difference. Um, and again, that... When I, I was lucky, I, I was told this. I mean, I've never seen it in any other books apart from the one that Chris had in his library that was, I think, was written in about 1893. And it explains that the reason they have a forehand um, or, or on the side-by-side, which were the original ones, remember it was only John Moses Browning that's, that, that sorted the real big forehand out, the beaver tail, when he came up with the over and under. But if you've got side-by-side, you, you put that... that Four in across your palm, and I guarantee you'll find that's where it was meant to fit. And then you can curl your three side fingers and the thumb back along, believe it or not, much easier along the wood. You know, you see even in the old pictures now, and I'd say Robert Churchill to a degree, I've seen pictures, and you see these lads, they're holding their, uh, the gun with their fingers curled over and thumb curled around the barrel. It's across their palm or across their hand. It wasn't designed like that. I mean, I'm not being funny. You know, they now put these uh, leather sleeves on there to stop them burning their fingers. Well, if <laughs> if it was meant to be held like that, they'd have put that on. They'd have made the wood like that in the original day. And yeah. um, a forend on a side by side table, and any forend is made to go across your palm, the finger extended. You try it, and then you and then you can curl your fingers in your thumb back, and I guarantee, even with a, a, a very Leaning forehand on the side by side, you could pick that up and hold it upright in that hand, and, and you, you, it won't fall out. You'll have a, you'll have a good grip. So, um, so that, those are the important things in there that, that uh, again, you will hopefully find that I bring out in the course. These are things that I, I, you know, you know I, I never knew this, and yeah. I, I thought, I, I thought I was pretty good. But <laughs> no, I, I've been cheating since nineteen eighty. You know. Um, and it was, and, and then it's the logic. What I think for me, and I hope a lot of people will see, is that you know, let's just go back a pace. I'm no genius, 
let's, let's just make everybody aware. I, I didn't. In, I'm not reinventing the wheel. The wheel's already been invented. So please, when I do, I don't wish to be wicked to anybody. You get a lot of these chaps out in there, and they're trying to convince you they've, they've, they've invented the wheel. No, they haven't. The wheel was invented a long while ago. And I have to say, it was invented by a lot more clever men than me. I'm not a genius. I don't know this stuff. Now, admittedly, I've been able to maybe add on, and this is what Roger beat into me. You know, don't be a clone. I'm giving you this information. It's, you've now got to take it, you've got to develop it, and you've got to add your bit to it and, and continue it on. And that's what this is all about. You know, this, this information, this forehand thing, I didn't know. It was Chris that told me, and it was, a, you know, it was a revelation. And then, of course, it's logic. When you look at it, logic, you think, yeah, that's right. That's why it was built like that. That's why it's shaped like that. But regrettably, it's got lost in the mists of time. And, and as you said, most of us men don't really go about looking at these things because we immediately think, how are they shoot? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, dif- the, the, the difference very quickly, and I always say this, is that us men know it, think we know it shoots. However, if we're going to go and play golf, 90% of golfers have started out with a lesson from a pro. And the reason you do that is because you don't expect to know how to play golf, do you? Sounds like all night game, but you don't expect to know how to play golf. So if you don't want to make a fool of yourself <laughs> and you don't want to get shouted at by, by chunking out big, big lumps of the very nice grass with your stick, you can't have a lesson. If you want to be good at tennis, if you want to be good at uh, racquetball, squash, um, even baseball. You know, we don't expect to know how to play these games. We, 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 they're all handy like ordinary games, but we go and have lessons that you don't expect to know. Yep. One of the problems that we have as men is we don't get lessons because we think we know how to shoot and because uh, we're hunters and we're men <laughs> and we're the gatherers, we immediately think we know how to shoot. But, hey, um, and I, I have to say, I was one of those men too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right, Keith. Well, moving right along here, I don't want to. I don't want to expose all of the secrets and tips and tricks that folks are going to get via this course if they do decide to check it out. But I do want to give them a little bit of a sneak peek at some of the technical things and a little bit of the insight they're going to get. So, kind of pulling on this kinesthetic movement issue and thinking about how we might ingrain or hardwire that gun mount into our you know, physical makeup and our athletic movements that we can draw on while we're in the field. There is a, when we're talking about doing these 2,500 gun mounts, or obviously more is better to a certain extent, but it isn't, like you said, it isn't just go stand in front of the mirror and do a thousand back to back because your arms are going to get tired. Your muscles are going to get tired. There's a little bit of structure to how you practice it. And I picked up on, you know, sets of three and there's a very specific way that you do that set of three working on that gun mount. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, when you get set up in the mirror and obviously you'll see it from the mirror, how you actually set up correctly for the exercise. Uh, literally you, you start off with that, that, um, flat parallel exercise, bring the gun up to the eye. You know, with the gun parallel on the hip to the floor, you bring it up. Do three mounts, and remember, a mount is a complete up to the face and coming back down to the start point. That, that, that's a gun mount. 
if you if you bring the gun up, I think I've said already in, into the face, then you you just let the gun drop away with your back hand, or you that you've just thrown that one out the window. So the real key is do your three mounts. Then on the third one, um, if if you are treating with both eyes open, if on that third one, just shut that opposite eye just to make sure your eyes down the mid. Um, that's what I do. Just do those three, and then. Um, as we talked about before, you can then start to uh, expand the, 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 the lifting mechanism. You can start using the ceiling line. So, you know, you pick the middle of the ceiling line and you literally mount the gun up onto the corner. So you, you start practicing that converging movement in the gun mount. So you do your right-handed shot. It's quite easy for you to go right to left. Um, the left to right corner... That's the one you know you really feel you have to extend that piston out because, of course, as a right-handed shot, it's more difficult to move left to right. Uh, the same for a left-handed shot. It's easier for them to, to move that way. It's harder for them to go right to left. But that's very simple. So you do maybe do some parallel guns. Do about three sets of three in the, in the mirror of the parallel. Then, you know, raise the gun up. Raise your up so the gun stays parallel with your eye. Get your eye on the ceiling line, raise the gun parallel with your eye, and then do three sets where you go one to the left corner, come back one to the right corner. So you want to do three of those in sets of three. And of course, the other great one you can do is just literally use the um, the bottom of the of the base of the wall. We call it a skirting, you know, skirting line in England. And again, just do the same thing. But remember, if if you're going to be sight shooting a rabbit, to make sure that the uh, gun star level is uh, below that, that skirting board line is so you come up and converge on it as you would do if you were shooting an eye of rabbit. So there's lots of things you can do and then ultimately if you've got a really high ceiling or a garage with a, um, a good vaulted ceiling and you go out and then do the vertical gun now. You know, literally find, bend your head back, find a place, an eye point vertically above on that ceiling and get that gun up, you know, stretch out for it, make the big gun mount. Um, and that's really, you, you can, you can just build a whole routine. Just, it's like going to the gym. Just, just you're, uh, doing a whole sequence of weight training. Um, and always remember, of course, that not only are you developing your gun mount, you're, you're, you're building up this, this whole number of 2,500s, which again, please forgive me, you have to do forever. Right. It, it takes 2,500 movements before you can do it without conscious thought and static. After that, you have to do this gun mount forever. As I keep repeating, you have to think of it like a golf, you know, it's, a, it, it's you going down the driving range practicing your golf swing. You know, you've got to do it for, for as long as you're going to shoot, you've got to do the gun mount practice. And of course, if you're a seasonal shooter, it's even more important to do, to keep doing this practice in the off season so that you, you go out and you can lift that gun ready and shoot at an object without having to think about what what you're doing in that process. But well, that, that's the important stuff. Yeah, that's excellent. I, I know I did a few months before we started recording today, Keith. I, I try to try to practice as much as I can and uh, do frequent small doses. I know from my experience, the, I guess, checking your aim, if you will, you mentioned on the third rep of any particular set, you kind of, you close your opposite eye, your non-dominant eye, look down the barrel and make sure you're lined up right. Mm-hmm. That Doing that on the third one and not, everyone was helpful for me because I found that, you know, it's, it's almost you're in, it was in my nature, I guess I should say that 
every time I snapped that gun up to my face, I wanted to look and see where I was at. But I found myself doing too many micro adjustments, you know, because when you look down the barrel, then you kind of then you see where you are and then you're just kind of you lose your bearing, really. And so taking the focus off of that and just focusing on the movement and bringing the gun up to my face and not worrying about where I'm looking, obviously looking at some point on the wall, which is really what you're supposed to be doing. I know that that was very helpful to me. Can you talk just briefly before we leave that, can you talk a little bit about the tempo of these movements or mounts, especially for somebody just beginning? Because I know, again, from my experience, when I first started doing it, and it's probably the rough grouse hunter in me, I would I would throw that gun up to my face because that's what I was used to doing in the woods. But really focusing on a smooth and steady gun mount at home, I, I feel like has translated into me being a much better shooter in the woods. It will do, and you practice it in one. It's just normal. Do it. You don't have to do it ultra slow, but you don't rush. That's not snatch. Just throw the... The way I would do it is to stick your arms and just throw that gun up, up under your cheekbone. And remember, as I said, you know, you really have to overextend that piston. But it's not a rush mount. It shouldn't be a stilted. It, it's just like a nice steady golf swing or a tennis stroke or a, a squash stroke. Think of it like that. But you, you do not rush. And to be honest, even if you're out, always remember this, if you're out shooting live, you should never rush. Remember, the first first hundreds or the first second or so of a gun mount must be under control. So you start moving slowly. Remember, you can always accelerate. You can always pick up speed. But if you go zooming off and you throw the speed away, invariably the gun then is out of control. You've more likely the gun that's hit your cheek and barrels are actually in the air in front of the target, you've actually beaten it. Um, and always remember, there's not a clay target or a living bird that can actually out, outbeat us. It can't outrun us. We have, we, we have the ability to control the movement. And that's, uh, the key is, as I said before, you mustn't spectate. Don't stand there watching a moving target, a clay or a bird, and then start moving the gun. Don't stand there watching it. What you're going to do, the moment your eye focuses on it, the brain will want you to point your, start the pointing motion. So that's what you must do. Um, the moment your eye looks on that target, you're going to start pointing at it. Now, as I say, that first hundredth of a second, two hundredth, two seconds or start out slow, you can always add energy and pick up speed. And that's the real key with the government. Control it. You know, because if, if you're starting to move, all of a sudden the bird may jink. Now, if you rush the gun out, and obviously you, you, you overcommit to maybe a line which you, you thought the bird was going to fly on, but of course, again, hey, grouse or whatever, hey, that bird's going to get up. It could well jink. So remember, whilst the gun is out of your, whilst the gun is moving, but it's kept out of your face, you can then adjust. You can point at it. But remember, the moment the gun, of course, hits your cheek and knocks back into the shoulder, you are committed to squeeze the trigger and take the shot. And if you don't, then you are riding the bird or you're tending to aim and then, of course, you know, it gets further away. The shot goes out the window and, it, and you, you miss it. Yeah, I don't golf as much as I used to anymore, Keith, but I always appreciate your golf analogies. And one of them that I pulled out of your out of the course was essentially along the lines of what you were just saying where the gun mount is, it's a parallel to the golf swing in the sense that what happens between the club head of a golf club moving away from the ball and then it coming back down and striking the ball, what happens during that duration 
you know, you're not touching the ball at all, but it's all the stuff that happens during that duration that determines the result of where that ball is going to go. Much is much is the same when you're talking about a gun mount. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, as, as you just said, again, you, it's real spot on because remember, all we are playing is an identical and an eye coordinated game. Um, and as we said, what what happens between you starting lifting the gun? And that gun coming into contact with your, your cheek and, the, and your eye now looking down the rib and the contact with the bird. Well, as I say, if anything is skewed with or off, off in any way, shape or form, then you're not going to get insured success. You know, it's, as I say, it's, uh, that's why you practice it. You know, you do it without conscious thought. It's the same every time. But the great thing is, is it, it gives you control of the shot. I, I think this is the most, perhaps one of the things that we all overlook is that sometimes you're out there, we snatch it. No matter what I don't, it's, you're not in control. The way I would say to it is what happens is, is, is when you snatch, um, you're reacting. What you're not doing is responding. And, and I think that's, I try and get that across to people a bit of a difference, particularly if you do shoot plays, in the sense that um, you're still using your instinctive skills. But when you shoot plays, you're, you're, you've got to make more of a conscious, positive response with your arms and the gun to what the eye is seeing. When you're shooting out in the field, um, it is instinctive, but it must be still a controlled response. Um, if if you the bird comes out and you snatch at it, well, it's it's just it's not controlled at all. You know, look at you know, let your eye get the information whilst you're starting the gun mount. Then of course the the finger will naturally, the gun barrel will naturally start to converge on that point where your eye's looking, which is it's focusing on that fine object. So think of it that way. You know, if you're snatching, you're, you're, oh, it's, you know, it's a reaction. It's a controlled response. Um, that's really what, what you're trying to make when you're hunting. It's relaxed. You're still using your... It's very instinctive. But as I say, don't, don't rush it. Don't, you know, just good control. Mount the gun. Let the point, and, and as Mr. Churchill said, of course, always remember this. It's a hand and eye coordinated game. Uh, so let, let, let the eye and the finger work in perfect coordination without interference from the brain. <laughs> and I think nothing was better said <laughs> for us many shooters. Don't think about it. Just do it with the correct technique. Yeah, that's great stuff. I, I, folks may think we spent a lot of time talking about something as simple as the gun mount, but really it's we refer to it as instinctive wing shooting and it's, it's natural. It comes natural to people in a certain sense, but that's not to say that you can't improve with practice. And I guess that's why I wanted to keep hammering this home for folks in that a few simple exercises at home, just working on the right kinds of movements and the right kinds of way I think can, can go a long way for folks. And that's obviously what you teach Keith. Yeah. Well, always remember again, not my saying, it's what Chris Paddock said, yep. and, and I'll be slapping them into my ears. Remember, a mismount is a missed shot. Yeah. And well, dead true. You, again, go back to golf or tennis, you know, any, if you skew that, if that club, that club head doesn't come back square onto the ball, you skew the ball, the ball doesn't go where you want it. Same, same thing. Yep, yep, absolutely right. Well, to round out a little bit the intro to wing shooting, course that's one i think that will will capture quite a bit of attention from the people listening to this podcast but 
you know, I imagine there was an inspiration for this course and obviously you see it every day in your lessons and your, your teaching, your one-on-one lessons, Keith, but what are some of the most common either bad habits or misconceptions about shooting? And I'm sure we've covered a few of them in our conversation so far, but what are some of those things that when you set out to do this course, you wanted to address those just knowing that they are things that many, many people struggle with? most important thing I'd hoped to get across was the simplicity of using a shotgun. As men, and I'm pleased to give us ladies, I, I know you're listening as well, and you have the advantage, and I'm pleased to, uh, I don't mean to upset anybody, but it is true, us men suffer from shooting ego. Because someone said to me a while back, Keith, you know, um, he said to me, Keith, what's, uh, what's the, the best thing in an instant you can tell me that's going to make me a better shooter? And I looked at him and I said, well, book a lesson with me. So when his mates picked themselves up off the floor after laughing, because it went completely out of his head for a minute, um, and they said, no, 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 what, what really do I need to, to really do? I said, well, put your ego in the cupboard. And again, he looked at me, and even his mates then looked at me a little bit, well, what's he on about? It's true. You've got to put, us men, we have to put our shooting ego in the cupboard. We have to realise that we do not automatically know how to shoot shotgun. And this is, when I go back to it, so let's come back to what I said. I wanted to get across to people the simplicity of shotgun shooting. It's no more than pointing your finger. It's got nothing to do with a rifle. It has nothing to do with aiming. And to be honest, if you are a real serious rifle shooter, and even if you are now a serious bow hunter, they are not good bedfellows when you shoot a shotgun. So what I try and do, what I'm trying to do with people is and, and again, please forgive me, there's an awful lot of technical gobbledygook now that's being talked about shotgun shooting. There's, there's a lot of people that got, well, they're interested in trying to convince people it's more complicated than what it is. It isn't. You know, we, you know, we all talk about now having all these guns, all these Gucci guns fitted to us. It's just got nothing to do with the gun, mate. You know, invariably always remember, it's down, it's, it's down to the pilots. If, if the shot is missed nine times out of ten, Pilot error, um, and we don't and we don't do enough to, to resolve that. But that's truly it. To, to be honest, that's what I wanted to do with the lessons. Whether it's for clays, whether it's for the drum shooting, whether it's whatever type of shotgun shooting you use, ultimately it's far more simple than what we try and make it appear. Um, it is just the shotgun. As I said, you know, the old it was a clever idea by a simple man. Because all he wanted to do was have a gun that did what his finger could do. Because he could point his finger at anything, anytime, anywhere, and he, you know, he could do it without conscious thought. And that's what it is. So for me, um, I think the real simplicity of good, of good, consistent, natural shotgun shooting is somewhat being lost. It's been a bit swamped by all this technical stuff um, that, again, I, as you say, whether it's gun makers or some of these top shots, um, they're all trying to make it sound rocket science. And the more we do that, the the more we get away from it. And it's like golf, isn't it? You know, again, I go back to this constantly. You can go out and buy all these super Gucci sort of clubs and all these new ones that are six foot tall. And, you know, listen, mate, you know, when all golf was was a bunch of Scotsmen running around in their kilts with curved sticks trying to knock stones down rabbit holes. <laughs> and ultimately, <laughs> in a sense, it's still the same game. But, we, but of course, it's, it's evolved, and we understand it's evolved. Yeah. But this is the great thing, and I, I really do stress this again. 
this is my great love. One of my great passions now of being here in the US, with, with Upland shooting particularly. If anything now, as I said, this is becoming the last bastion of good, natural shotgun shooting skills. Um, and I do mean that. Um, of course, driven shooting, it's, you know, it's, it's still that same. But ultimately, you know, when everybody here hopefully is listening, if you go out in that, you know, with your gun, you go off in the early morning with your dog, you know, just do what you remember. You're doing what that simple bloke did. Going out in the field, enjoying some sun, you know, enjoying the morning, going out with his dog, and, and go and shoot a couple of birds, you know, whatever, you know, for food or... or but it, it's really what you're doing, and I do... That's why I enjoy being here and working with the Upland guys so, so much as what I do with anybody else. Is that remember for me now, you know, these chaps and you chaps all out there that do it, you really are the the people that make this the, the true art of shotgun shooting survive and keep it going. Um so good on you chaps really and ladies, sorry, I don't mean to forget you that. Good on you ladies. The more ladies we get in doing it, the better it's gonna be. Yeah, absolutely right. Well, while technology may be clouding the art of shotgun shooting a little bit, Keith, I was very pleased that you did not draw a line in the sand as far as technology being able to help you out in your teaching. And that is one thing that I would definitely highlight with these courses is that you and your partner on this, Scott, did an extremely great job of using various cameras, different angles, especially when you get out into the clays range. You were using... I believe you were using an aim cam, a set of glasses, so people could see where you were looking. And then Scott utilized various cameras and camera angles. And just for me, speaking personally, it really helped to, it helps to really show people exactly what you're seeing and doing. And I felt like that was one of the biggest probably value adds of the course because it really helped you get your point across as far as the the lessons you were trying to teach. Thank you. That that's really when. Scott came to me, and we we were discussing all of this. And, I, uh, and, I, and you know that I, during the early nineties, when I was working with Roger Silcox, he made his his first two videos, which, which I made with him. Um, we, and I saw some of the downfalls of that, and how he put it right. And I did say to Scott that um, it was very important that we found a way because initially, shot cam, the camera goes under the, the the barrel, which is no good. We had to use the own cam glasses, which were brilliant. Because of course, it, it, you you the shooter have to see what what what, what the eye sees over the barrel and what your finger does. And um, but you're quite right; you did an amazing job. I mean, um, Clunky, as you said, I think it was just like being on a Spielberg film because at some point, you know, he, he, he really had about four or five cameras going. Yeah. Um, so so we could get everything that was proper and. You know, the most important thing is that I, I didn't want it. It's very, when you're demonstrating, and to be honest, one the first lesson, well, one of the early lessons Roger told me, said, you, when you're with a client, said, you never demonstrate. Oh, really? What's that then? He said, well, if you miss, you're not very good, are you an idiot? But you don't want to actually sometimes, if the pupil's been struggling, you don't want to shoot a live target and hit it, because it's going to make him feel worse. The most important thing, of course, is to do dry runs, because you never miss. And And what you do is, you, you make the pupil watch the movement, not the end results. If you put a live shell in, they're not going to watch what I do. They're going to watch if I break the clay. <laughs> so it's a, it, it, it doesn't achieve what you want it to do. So the most important thing is, what I didn't want to get across is when I'm demonstrating a shooting, what I 
definitely didn't want to get across is this attitude of, oh, look at me, I'm a good shot. I'm a, so I'm an okay shot, you know. And But that was really important. I said, and I did, Scott grabbed it straight away, that um, the most important thing is when you see me shoot, I want to demonstrate the movement I want, you know, that you want to do. You need to be able to see that movement and the process clearly, both between me and the target on which I'm shooting. Um, but the, the last thing I wanted it to do was, was, was just do almost like an advert for me being how good a shot I am. Um, so I hope that came across. Uh, but thank you for saying it. It's, it was huge work. <laughs> and, I mean, that, it really was. And, you know, the, the hours that went into it, and, and not just filming it, I mean, what the hours, if I may say, and I'll give again Scott a huge amount of credit, the, the editing and everything that he's put on, as you've seen, you know, the explanatory uh, screen phrases and reminders and the whole thing, it certainly came, it certainly went beyond what, what, my, what I'd hoped to achieve and what my expectations were. So again, once again, down to good old Scott Sarver, you know, genius with a camera. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you did very well. And that is, you know, that's to be expected, I think, when I guess people that are familiar with watching videos and educational videos, you know, there's uh, there's definitely a difference between somebody that just flips a camera on and talks into it versus the work that happens after the fact in Scott's editing and capturing the angles. And that really, you know, the course would not be the same without that, you know, showing the aim cam shots, the various camera angles out in the field, and even back in the, when you were doing the indoor lessons, just talking about gun fit and mounting and all that stuff, you know, there, there are various angles to really show people what exactly you're looking for. And, you know, there's some gun fitting stuff in there. There's, there's, it's all covered and it's all amplified by the quality of the production, in my opinion. And uh, I certainly enjoyed that. So, yeah, job well done, Keith and Scott. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, Keith. Well, I, I like I said, I don't want to. I don't want to give away everything that's inside the course. But there's a there's an intro to wing shooting course. There is there's an introduction to sporting clays course. What else is there? And any future plans for what's next at this point? Okay, uh, yep, what we've got, as you know, there are the three sections. The, the fundamentals, which is all inside, um, but that, as you said, that covers everything from the very beginning of, of everything, the whole, from the gun mount, dominant eye, gun pit, blah, blah. And, and so that is absolutely, that, that, that course is a pit to anybody who's going to shoot a shotgun. Yeah, that's the starting point for it, folks. Yeah, and then, of course, you, but then you, you can actually, you can buy them an individual courses or you've got them in what Scott's now has done the bundles um, there is a sporting clothes one and that is for everybody from the novice bit of the competition shooter but also I would recommend that also there's a lot in there for the upland shooter yeah. particularly when I talk about shooting retreating birds which you know thirdly then there is the one which is a bit more universal as well but not quite is the um, it's a complete introduction to British Driven game shooting. It goes, as you know, it goes from the whole thing all the way through, and it covers uh, the various techniques that you apply for the, for the different types of birds that you would shoot in the UK on the given scene from low line driven grouse, medium height partridge, going up the, the scale to shooting skyscraping pheasants. But it also covers everything else, you know, etiquette, clothes, Now, very quickly, um, we, we have got plans to do. 
um, a false one, which is going to be aimed really pretty much at the American market, which would be for both upland shooting, and we would talk about, um, obviously, American-style duck, and obviously high goose, where obviously one is laying in what I call a, um, uh, a shallow, you know, a shallow shoot pit and with a, a uh, cover. Sure. However, however, that's if we can, if we get good demand, and, and it's like everything. If, if these, if these go very well, it's about sponsoring, and let's face it, just does come down to dollars and cents and pounds and shillings. Is that it, it? This takes a lot of time and a, and a huge amount of work. Not only you know in doing it, but as you know, I've got to prep it, you know, plan it. Then Scott has to edit it. So if if we can get a good response, and if, if quite naturally, if, if the if these series sell well, then it will sponsor our fourth one, which we we want to do, um, and and that would be particularly for the uplands market here, the, what I call the, the, the duck hunter, and subsequently those that go out and, you know, um, go and shoot high-flying, um, you know, geese. Um, but I've done, I mean, obviously I'm very fortunate, having been involved, you know, earning estates in Scotland, and when I was coaching up there, obviously that's, that's something which happens more in Scotland than it would do in, in the south of the UK. So I've been very fortunate to get access and have to learn to coach the skills that are relevant to shooting those birds. Um, so but that's the plan. That if we can get these three going and we get some, you know, some regular sales on these, that then what we're planning to do is the, the first uh, revenues from the sales of these is going to go then to do the fourth one. Because again, hand on heart, I don't think we truly realise just. <laughs> How big, how big it was a, a project was going to be <laughs> when we actually start to, to what we got to the end. Just like a book, you know. Um, people say to me, oh, you can write the book. It takes hours. It's going to take hours and hours to write it. I have to find that time. Then you have to find a good photographer because there's got to be a, got a good cookbook to have loads of photographs. Yeah. So it, it, it's not quite sometimes as easy to do with, without the, the, the finance to back it. Anyway, that, that's our score. If I can mention, if someone's like everybody here, maybe is more focused on upland, rough grouse, pie, or whatever. Um, to a degree, the, the spawning clays one, and let's very quickly go back. Spawning clays, when it came about in England in the 20s and 30s, remember, this was, this really was the, the farmers. It, it really was the farmers thing. It wasn't really the, the, the driven shooting tops. Sporting clays, English sporting clays came about because it was the farmers getting together because they wanted to practice. That's why in my day, if I went to a, a, a clay shoot, I'd still have things like um, dropping duck, climbing till, um, of course the rabbit. So they were, you know, dropping crow, um, this sort of thing. So remember, when you look at the sporting clays elements and the techniques that are in sporting clays, they, there's a an awful lot in there that is very, very applicable skills for the upland hunter. So I would say if you guys that are, you know, more about shooting birds that are lifting up in front of you or moving away from you, crossing you, that sort of thing, the spawning phase is, is the is the best one to go on to for looking at shotgun skills for that type of shooting, that type of bird. Yep. Excellent stuff, Keith. Well, you've definitely came to the right place in uh, sharing some of these courses. I hope people check them out. I know I would love to see you 
be able to produce that upland course i would i would certainly be eager to check that one out so i uh i hope all goes well and i hope folks decide to if they're interested follow up on this and check out these courses we will make sure to load up the show notes with links and the places that people need to go to check this stuff out why don't you let us know where folks can go to find more information on these courses keith Okay, well, it's on the Teachable platform. Um, so when you go in, what you need to do is, um, let me just give you the actual full link. Uh, what you do, um, it, it literally is, and it's, when you type it in, again, it's all lowercase, just put it, it's without breaking, it's all connected. So, of course, it's only perfect practice makes perfect dot teachable.com now if you go into that that will give you access to you can review all the courses there are the uh, short videos obviously with um, endorsements and introductions on it and then you can actually go and look at all the course content um, so literally you, you, you can do that you can look at it and think oh yes I might not do that one or and then you can see how the, the, the whole the series of groups together. You combine them individually, you combine them in, in packet in packs of two, you combine them in if you like packs of three, and of course they're very different things. Um, if I can just quickly mention uh, Scott before we go, if you if anybody on from the group, from the Project Upland or anybody listening to this podcast, thank you very much. Um, if you do decide that you would like to buy, and this is the difference, you're not buying a video, you're enrolling in the shooting school forever. Because yeah. what you're going to do, this is going to give you a link. You, it, It's like really literally, as I've said before, enrolling in a, not not university, don't want to make it sound that grand, but <laughs> you're going to enroll in school. Right? You're, and, you, and that's what the difference is. You, If you buy this, you're, don't think about buying a disc. You are enrolling in the school because at some point, at some stage, it has got the ability for me to add bits to these courses as we go. And the good thing about that is once you're in, it's, it, it, you still get the add-ons. You're not going to be charged for the add-ons. Um, I'm not going to say there's going to be one every week, but every now and again there will be some updates that you you will get. So you are a member of the school. This is the big thing, and, and I hope this comes across. You're not buying a video. You're enrolling in the shooting school. So if anybody would... Once you enrol in the school, there's a, a 10% reduction for uh, Project Upland followers and listeners. Excellent, Keith. Well, I certainly thank you very much for that generous offer to our listeners and followers of Project Upland, and folks can take advantage of that. So certainly thank you for that. Keith, if people have – it's nice to know that they can go to only perfect practice makes perfect.teachable.com. They can check out information. They can see – a good bit of information about the course before they decide to take the plunge and enroll. If they have specific questions, can they reach out to you directly? Can they ask questions through the Teachable platform and or where should they contact you if they do have questions, Keith? Okay. Right. The best thing at the moment, if you're going to, if you'd like to come to me for, um, you know, feel free uh, and, and the email, um, address that I've now got. And the best one to get me on is so just go to Keith at huntgreenacres.com. Now, what I've done is that that now is a separate email that comes straight into me. It doesn't come via websites or anything. 
you can contact straight, you know, me straight away. Uh, please feel free, ask any questions you want. Um, if I can't answer them, if it's something tired, I'll get Scott to, to do it for us. Um, but I'm very happy. And, and, um, and again, very quickly, if I can add just one thing. Uh, remember, I said to you, I'm sorry that I didn't manage to get around to writing as many articles last season for the magazine. Um, but I can tell you now, and obviously, um, that uh, I will be getting an article up to you to follow on from the instinctive shooting method that the original article talks about. And what that's going to cover is, as I think some of you may have heard me say earlier in this broadcast, that we're going to look at how we apply that when we're out both on the open field or we're in, in the quail woods or whatever. Um, and what I will be looking at is one of the other things that we, we take for granted and don't pay enough attention to, and that's the way we carry the shotgun in the field. Now, I'm not going to say too much, but that's what's going to lead on to that article, and I hope to get that to you and AJ uh, again by the end of this month. So at some stage, you can incorporate it in, um, in the future articles. Excellent, Keith. Appreciate it. I look forward to checking that out. I'm sure the listeners do as well. I can't thank you enough for the time, for coming on and entertaining us and informing us, educating us. It's a great time to be thinking about our wing shooting, Keith. We're all getting excited for fall. Thank you so much. I wish you an excellent rest of the summer and into the fall season. I know you're busy down there at Green Acres. I wish you the best of luck with your course, and I'll look forward to keeping in touch with you, my friend. Thanks very much. I really appreciate it. Appreciate everybody listening. And, uh, hey, most importantly, one final thing I'm sure we all know. Look, ladies and gentlemen, the ultimate the ultimate successful shooting or, or the, uh, if you like, the, the breakdown of it is most importantly successful shooting is safe shooting. So for everybody out there, and you, Nick, I'm sure you will, uh, go out there, enjoy, stay healthy, and most importantly, shoot safe. Brilliant. Love it, Keith. Thanks again, man. We'll, we'll talk to you soon, all right? Okay, mate. Real pleasure. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Alright, that does it for this episode of the Project Up and Podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody. A quick reminder that the podcast is brought to you by Onyx Hunt, Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food, CZ USA, and Dakota 283 Kennels. Don't forget to leave us a rating, leave us a review, subscribe to the podcast, and share the podcast for your chance to win the Project Upland podcast giveaway. And head over to projectupland.com for more of the Upland birds, dogs, guns, and gear that you love. Until we see you back here for the next episode of the Project Upland podcast. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app. Join millions of other hunters who trust Onyx Hunt to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Onyx Hunt shows you nationwide public and private land boundaries. They've got topographic and 3D maps. You can track your route, location, and elevation profile. You can save maps for offline use and take Onyx Hunt with you wherever you go. The most comprehensive hunting tool you'll own Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. 
Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundoggy Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.